Heavenly Father, we, we come today um, united with you in our hearts, uh, really wanting to understand what the kingdom of God means. Um, and we pray, God, that as we unpack that, uh, our hearts would swell <laughs> with gratitude and love uh, for the kingdom of God is about rescuing us. The kingdom of God is our mission and our passion. Um, so, Lord, would you open our eyes and hearts and uh, allow us to really embrace uh, fully what this means for us. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're going to read the passage today. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken of the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light was dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we want to understand a little bit of the background of, of this uh, part of the narrative. Um, so this is a map of Israel. And when God uh, gave the Israelites the promised land, um, he divided Israel into 12 areas according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, so Zebulun and Naphtali are in the northernmost part of Israel, in, in, the, in the blue area. And so in the blue area is the Sea of Galilee, and I'll blow that up for you. So this is the Sea of Galilee. And around the Sea of Galilee uh, is Nazareth, Jesus' uh, birth town, uh, Capernaum, where Jesus... Uh, spent a lot of time in his ministry. Um, so the significance of this uh, Bible passage is it fulfills a prophet in Isaiah. And in, the, in Isaiah, it talks about uh, this area being Galilee of the Gentiles. Um, as it's positioned in the northern part of Israel, it's surrounded by Gentile nations and Gentile people. And uh, back in 732 B.C., the Assyrians uh, took over the northern part of Israel. And so this region had been uh, not only surrounded but infiltrated by the Gentile nations. And the Jewish people were essentially sitting in darkness. Um, and that's what the prophet Isaiah referred to, uh, that Naphtali and Zebulun, you are sitting in darkness uh, this is the Galilee of the Gentiles. And in the prophecy, the Messiah would come not in the hub of Israel, in Jerusalem, the center of, of life and religion for the Israelite people, but that the Messiah would come in the darkest corner of the nation, in the northern uh, part where people are waiting in darkness. And Jesus fulfills that prophecy and is launching his ministry in the area of Galilee. 
And as Jesus launches his ministry, um, he's gone through um, the wilderness. He's, he's, uh, he's been prophesied by John the Baptist. Jesus himself is baptized, and he's confirmed and affirmed by the Father. Uh, and then last week, Pastor Wilson took us through the wilderness and temptation and how Jesus comes face to face with Satan himself and undoes the evil one and overpowers him, uh, establishing his rule and his reign. And so Jesus' ministry is birth, and he comes and makes very clear to us what his ministry is all about and his preaching. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, some verses uh, use kingdom of heaven. If you look at other gospels, it talks about kingdom of God. And essentially, these two uh, phrases are identical. They're the same, and they're interchangeable. Because uh, Matthew is written to a Jewish audience, as you may appreciate about Jewish religion and Jewish culture, they don't like to say the word uh, God, Jehovah, Yahweh, straight up. They will, they will, there's such reverence for God and God's name. They'll, they'll say, uh, you know, um, he who is above. Um, and he'll make, they'll make reference to God without saying the word God. So this kingdom of God is, is spoken of as kingdom of heaven. Uh, but they're absolutely interchangeable. So this is Jesus' main uh, trumpet call in his ministry, repent for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand. So does anyone remember uh, the definition of the word repent? Pastor Wilson had talked about it. (laughs) Okay. So if, if maybe you don't remember so clearly, um, and one of the things that Pastor Wilson really um, has a vision for is that not only would we come together and hear the Word of God, but each and every one of us would have the tools and be equipped uh, to study the Word of God on our own. Um, so if you really wanted to dig into this verse and figure out, so what does the word repent mean? Uh, so one way is to go to a commentary. So Pastor Wilson let me these two volumes. Each volume is about the book of Matthew, and each of them is about a thousand pages. So Kelsey looked at these books that I was pouring over, because Pastor Wilson said, that's what you need to do. Um, and she's like, she's like, dude, that's like one book is more than the Bible, and it's only about one, you know, one, uh, one book in the, bu- in the Bible. Anyway, so that's obviously one thing you can do. You can go and buy these uh, extraordinary resources, 1,000-page uh, references. Um, but uh, I think there are some other ways that are faster and cheaper. You can go online or you can download a free app. Does that sound better? Okay. So let me give you a, a quick um, tip demo on how to do some Bible, um, digging into your Bible verses. You can do this on your smartphone or or on your laptop. And by the way, you know, brothers, uh, this is a good way to to impress the sisters during Bible study. (laughs) You know, just take out your smartphone and like 30 seconds later, come up with a really great answer. 
So here it is. Okay. All right. So here we are. We're at Google. And uh, so type in Bible Hub. That's the app. You can download the app as well. So that's Bible Hub. And it gets to the Bible Hub. All you do at the homepage is type in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, which is the verse we're looking at. And boom, you get all the verses and all the translations hyperlinked to all the commentaries and word studies that you would ever want for that verse. Now, we're interested in the word repent. So there's something called the Interlinear Bible, which used to be like a 2,000-page book. And you go to the word repent, and then you, 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 you look at the verse. It's, it turns out to be it's an imperative form, so it is a command. Then you, you hit on the strong concordance number 3340, and it takes you to the definition. So the definition, it'll even tell you how to pronounce uh, metanoio. It means to repent. It means to change my mind. Um, and then if you look at the breakdown of the Greek word, its uh, root is from two Greek words. One is meta, uh, and meta is changed after being with. And it's joined together uh, with this um, moeo, which means to think. So the Greek metanoeo means think differently after being with. So it's a change of thinking. It's a change of perspective after being with. So it, doesn't that fit perfectly with what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God? That after being with Jesus, after understanding and being in God's kingdom, he's saying, change your way of thinking. Change your perspective. Change how you see yourself in the world. And that's what he's talking about. Now, obviously, that change of perspective will lead to a change in behavior, but it's not the behavior that he's after. He's looking for a change in your worldview, change in your perspective, and that's what repent means. Um, so anyway, you can impress the brothers and sisters with this uh, cool uh, Bible app. Let's go on. Um, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, what? The gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So I want to focus on, again, the mention of the kingdom of God. But here it's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And what's 
really important also is every time Jesus talks about the kingdom, which is what he's preaching, he'll do two other things, always, almost always, in all of the gospels. What are the two things Jesus, what are the three things Jesus does together? Preaches the kingdom, heals the sick, casts out demons. Preaches the kingdom, heals the sick, casts out demons. Preaches the kingdom, heals the sick, casts out demons. Um, it's a real demonstration of the kingdom of God and the power and the authority of the kingdom of God. So this gospel of the kingdom is also mentioned in Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, it says, 24:14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. Who's doing that? Us, right? So this preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is on us. And once that is fulfilled completely, the end will come. So our job, our mission, is to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. So obviously, it's really important that we understand what the kingdom of God is that we're preaching. Um, I found this really, really uh, cool um, animation. It's about six minutes long. Uh, it's created by the Bible Project. Some of us did um, um, some Bible Project stuff when we looked at uh, when we did Bible study over at the ranch as part of Alpha 1.5, I think. Um, anyway, so let me let me show you this video. I think it really puts a lot of things together in a nice way. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die. But this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning, where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together, perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world, and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted... God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. 
Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. Literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. Nice video, eh? (laughs) 
All right. So this uh, this concept of the kingdom of heaven, uh, you know, one uh, example that comes to mind is, you know, if we talk about the United States, uh, say back in the 1940s, um, you know, where where you know, so we talk about kingdom of God. That's God's reign and His rule. We talk about the United States. It's the United States' reign and rule. And if you go out 2,700 miles away into the Pacific Ocean, into these little obscure islands, you know, back in the 1940s, some people representing the sovereignty of the United States went to that island, planted a flag, and said, this is now part of the United States. And so Hawaii, I think, became part of the United States in 1948 or something. Um, so, so now... If you fly to Hawaii, get off the plane, even though it's 2,700 miles away in the middle of the ocean, it's part of the United States. All the assumptions that you have in terms of your rights, your freedom, your, all the way that things are in the rest of the mainland is true in Hawaii. Okay? Uh, so the kingdom of God is exactly that. It's God's rule and it's his reign and with Jesus' coming, now it infiltrates all of the earth. Um, in, in, the, in the animation, there's also the sense of um, Jesus comes to usher in the kingdom, but it's not yet fulfilled. This theology of already, but not yet. Uh, I don't want to go into that in great detail. It'll put some of you to sleep, but there's a lot of theology behind it. Um, but I think what's important is to understand this concept of what is the kingdom of God. It is everything that has to do with God's rule and reign. Uh, obviously, uh, everything that is in heaven is completely under God's rule and reign. This earth was not. This earth was under the reign of Satan. And by Jesus' coming, the kingdom of God invaded earth. The kingdom of God infiltrated our lives um, in a very, very powerful way. So when we consider the kingdom of God now here at hand, and we're asked by Jesus to repent, to think differently, so what is it that we're thinking differently about our world now that the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is among us and we represent the kingdom of God and we are the kingdom of God as we step into places of darkness? What is this? What are the attributes of the kingdom of God? And there are many. And scouring through scripture, I came up with nine, and that's just a partial list. So if you look at scripture, the, what does the kingdom of God have? What are its characteristics and attributes? Well, first, physical healing. When the kingdom of God is here, there is physical healing. When the kingdom of God is here, there is spiritual and emotional healing. Demons scatter and run. When the kingdom of God is here, hard hearts are changed, are softened and open to the gospel. When the kingdom of God is here, we have forgiveness of sins, which is huge. When the kingdom of God is here, there is justice and there is righteousness. When the kingdom of God is here, there is complete restoration. When the kingdom of God is here, we have purpose. When the kingdom of God is here, we have power to influence and make changes. When the kingdom of God is here, we have joy 
and we have peace. That is the kingdom. That is the kingdom that has come. That is the kingdom of our God that has invaded our lives and our worlds. What is our responsibility? And we talked about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Later in the passage, Jesus um, calls the disciples, the two sets of brothers. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You, have the, you are now the kingdom of God and I will have you go out and plant these circles, these little dots of kingdom of God everywhere and bring men, to, uh, bring men into the kingdom. In Revelation 1.6, And Jesus made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. We are God's kingdom on earth. In another passage in 1 Peter, it talks about we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So we are very much part of God's kingdom. And what, what do priests do? They minister to God and they minister to people. They're the go-between bringing heaven to earth. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's, everything is right there. Our job is to bring heaven to earth. We represent the kingdom, and we want to see the kingdom penetrate and push back the darkness everywhere that we step. So all of these attributes of the kingdom of God, you and I are the ambassadors. We are God's priests. We are his children. We are his uh, ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And all of these things, all of these attributes of the kingdom of God are there. Um, so for me, I, you know, how, how do I apply this kingdom of God, say, in my workplace? Um, I've been at UCI now for almost 30 years, and I remember in the early, day, early days when I was uh, a lowly assistant professor, um, I, I would drive to work early. And at that time, there was a parking structure that was about uh, six or seven stories high, and I would purposefully drive all the way to the top and park my car. And this was like 6.30 in the morning, and I would get out of my car, and I would walk around the top of the parking structure praying over the medical center campus. Uh, so whoever else was there around that time would think, who is that crazy man walking out in the parking lot? And my prayer would be something like this, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. May your kingdom take over this campus. May your kingdom through, through your servant penetrate this dark place. And I declare that this place belongs to God. And I declare that not only the medical center, but UCI become part of God's kingdom. And I even imagine, you know, the three letters U-C-I, and I flipped it around, united in Christ. That was, that was my prayer, uh, that, that God's kingdom is here and present. Uh, there were obviously other believers as well. And I wanted to plant a stake, plant a flag that this place belongs to God's kingdom and we're going to push the darkness away. Um, 
over time, um, how has this translated? So if you look at the attributes of the kingdom of God, you know, obviously physical healing is part of the kingdom of God. And I would pray, obviously, for physical healing at our center. And, uh, and I would prayer walk around our building. I would prayer walk through all, all the floors and walk into all the clinics and all the procedure rooms, praying God's presence, his healing presence in the rooms. Um, so that patients would come, and whether they knew it or not, they're walking into God's kingdom, and they're walking into a place of healing. And whether that healing happens through medical technology, through uh, you know, new, new medications, or through straight-up prayer. And, and there are times that God just gives me such passion uh, and compassion for patients who have no answers that I would ask permission, can I pray for you? Um, and I've never been declined, and so I would pray for people. And I've seen people heal physically as I pray for them. Um, and to me, it's, it's all one and the same. It's all motivated out of love, uh, motivated out of uh, the presence of God and his kingdom, um, and, and this overarching sense of, in heaven, there ain't no cancer. <laughs> so here, there ain't no cancer. Um, and that's, um, that's a very, very strong under, undergirding uh, theme um, of, of, of our center. Um, so spiritual and emotional healing, uh, we have opportunities to hold not only our patients' hands, but the, the hands of the family members uh, to pray for them. Uh, to minister to them emotionally and, yes, even spiritually. Um, justice and righteousness, uh, in my leadership position, uh, I, I need to play sometimes what they call senatorial uh, activities. Uh, that's a code word for getting out of hot spots. But anyway, so justice, fairness, um, righteousness has to prevail as part of the kingdom of God in my uh, sphere of influence. Um, joy and peace. So we have 30 faculty under my leadership, over 100 staff. And the staff know that we, it's a place of carry. I, I want so much for, for them to come to work liking to come to work. Uh, and, and, and the people they work with, they feel like everyone's got each other's backs. And, and that we, we are about the people, not about the outcomes. And, and that we want them to experience this sense of joy and peace in the workplace um, and, and, and fun. Uh, we, so we do a lot of fun things together. We do picnics. We, uh, we have uh, gatherings and dinners and, and so on because that is what the kingdom is about. And you may think, well, that's kind of strange. You're not at church. It's not a fellowship activity, I say we are, we are the church uh, it, everywhere we step. And you and I are pastors everywhere we are, and we are bringing in God's kingdom everywhere we step. You know, we, we live in a dark and fallen world. We don't have to look very far uh, to see darkness and, and, and suffering and pain. And we're in this... Uh, cosmic 
kingdom conflict, the kingdom of God with the kingdom of this earth or the kingdom of Satan. And it's my prayer, desire, (laughs) wish uh, that you and I become very dangerous. As we step into darkness and, and we enter into the kingdom of darkness and Satan, that the spiritual influences would be scared, that they would scatter, that they would say, the man of God, the woman of God is here, the kingdom of God is entering, we're out of here. That is my hope and prayer, that our faith is a powerful one, uh, one that makes a difference, one that has influence. Um, So that starts with repent. Change your way of thinking. Understand who you are. Understand what God has called you to. Understand what this kingdom of God is that he's given to each and every one of us, and we represent and we present the kingdom in our stepping into spaces of darkness. So I wonder where we are this morning as you discuss amongst yourselves what is the kingdom of God? How does it, uh, what does it have to do with me? And as, a, as an individual, uh, to participate in the kingdom of God, I think first and foremost, we have to ask the question, do we really acknowledge who the king is? Have we bowed in surrender to our Lord and Savior and, say, and said, I'm yours. You are the king. My life, I surrender to you. It really starts there. As, I, as Chrissy and I have had uh, over a year of spending time with you guys, breaking bread, uh, hanging out, we just feel that there's so much in each and every one of you, so much potential, so much um, amazing things that God has called you to, um, and Pastor Wilson's vision to, to incarnational ministry in our community and making an impact, huge, huge, over-the-top uh, potential that we can see in our church and in our community. On the same hand, we also have discerned Mm, okay, uh, Satan's schemes against us as a, as a body um, is also at work. And in our individual lives, uh, we see that, um, that Satan's schemes for you as individuals, for us as individuals, is one, causing you to struggle with who you are, your identity. Who are you? That's really basic, and that can really mess you up if, if, if that is a point of confusion. Who am I? And what's my purpose? What am I here for? That can really mess you up. Your sense of security, and as you look towards the future and job and family, that, that can also be a major distraction from what God has in, in, in his plan for you. 
um, anxiety, depression, sexual sins, guilt, condemnation, all of those things would make you quite powerless. You walk into the room and the evil influences and demonic forces like, that person is so caught up in their own stuff, we don't need to worry. But repent, the kingdom of God is here in your lives to give you your identity and your purpose uh, to conquer the sins, the sins and temptations and addiction and to change your perspective and renew your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. As we look at us corporately, you know, the kingdom of God going out into the world, it's not a solo sport. One little light in the midst of a big darkness is scary. But you put another light next to it and another light next to it, suddenly we're a tour de force. And that's the vision for Renew, that as a community, we represent the kingdom of God going into dark places together. And there are certain things that you wouldn't want to go it alone. You just, not, 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 not wise. And Satan has schemes that are targeted towards our community. And what might those be? Jealousy, envy amongst each other, this subtle and sometimes not so subtle competitiveness, the sense of feeling left out. I feel left out of the group, so I'm going to stay home. Um, And instead of coming together as God's kingdom with intentionality of pushing back darkness and fighting evil, we just, what, get into drama. God's kingdom is here. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Uh, let us pray. And as I, uh, we begin a time of prayer, we'll just ask the worship team to, to come, come back up. Um, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we stand here both elated and convicted, if I could say that. Um, we're elated that we now grasp what really the kingdom of God is, this gospel of the kingdom, and that we've been called to be your priest, your royal priesthood, to represent and present the kingdom of God in a fallen and dark world. And, and we are also uh, admonished for not recognizing the enemy for he, who he is and the schemes of the enemy on us as individuals and us as a community. So Father, as we together today representing the kingdom of God have come together, the kingdom of God is even more so right here, right now, in this room. Your spirit, your presence is here. We feel that. And God, we just ask you right now 
to penetrate deep into each and every one of our hearts, then first and foremost, we can ask, answer the question, who am I? Who do I belong to? And who is the sovereign king and Lord of my life? Lord, we surrender. We surrender everything else to your lordship. And Father, we ask that you would use us mightily as your kingdom, as your priests, as your ambassadors to bring the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God to everywhere that we step foot into. May we become dangerous to the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Dr. Ken, for sharing the word of God with us and shepherding our community as well. I want to take a moment to take communion together. And um, I love that that video. I loved how the guy, like, put up his middle finger and then the lamb beheading was amazing. Uh, My favorite parts. But, um, yeah, when I think about the kingdom, there was, there is this shedding of blood for our sins so that God could be with us. And um, to this morning, as we take communion, that it wouldn't just be a symbol, but it would be another space that we remember Jesus creating in his death, in giving up his body so that we could be forgiven, shedding his blood so that it would cover our sins. So as we take communion today, will we find this place between um, where God can meet us and we can be in his presence and we can talk to him and find what we're looking for, find purpose um, and joy and forgiveness and reconciliation, that whatever you're looking for and however God uh, wants to, you want to experience his kingdom this morning, I hope that you would find it as you take communion and talk to him. And so... Let's, let me pray for communion and uh, offering as well that we would um, continue to worship the Lord through giving financially, serving Him through music. God, we just come to you this morning and we ask that you would create a space for us. Um, all of us need more of your kingdom in our lives so that we can extend that into the lives of others. I pray over this church, God, we started with such a vision to be a mission team to the neighborhood, to the college campuses uh, around the city. And uh, we continue just to grab a hold of that, Lord. Um, And we ask that you would let us not forget our purpose and why we exist, that your kingdom would come in Fullerton. But this moment, we desire your kingdom in our lives, that as you take rulership and as we experience you, that we would take this space to worship again, to surrender, uh, to give you praise. And so we ask that all of us this morning would be able to touch heaven and touch you and see you uh, be uh, present. In Jesus' name, amen.